0: We're in Exodus chapter 20 still. We're going through the Ten Commandments, maybe the longest time we've spent in a chapter since we've been doing this Bible study, but there are ten of them, and they do require each one of them to be dealt with because they're important. They they reveal a lot of things. They reveal the heart of God. The Ten Commandments give us an insight into the character and nature of God because they define His character and nature. He is all these things. He says that thou shalt not... Because he is not these things. He's not a thief. He's not a liar. He's not a murderer. He is, he is just in all that he does. And understanding that it's as being his heart and his character is very important. It teaches us things. In fact, the New Testament tells us that to the Old Testament, the law is our schoolmaster. And it holds us in place until grace can arrive and that's really what it that's really what it teaches it's amazing that the law holds us in place what is it how does it hold us in place but just lets us know you're not enough you need something you, there's something there that you've got to have you've got to have redemption you've got to have god's grace you've got to have his mercy and you realize you don't meet the standard and that's what the law does it causes us not to not to stray away and think we're okay It lets us know your heart is replete with wickedness. It's, It's messed up, and you need to be changed, and you need a Redeemer to change you. And the, laws, the law does that for us, and so it's very important that you understand that. And the law also reveals the heart of God as far as relationships, and you see that, that, that God tells us to do things that nurture and grow relationships. So The first three commandments deal with our relationship with Him. The fourth commandment deals with the Sabbath, and setting aside time for worship, time to rest, and time to be with family is important. Family of God, your own personal family, those things are important. And God says, I want you to set aside time. I don't want you to work every day of the week. I want you to set aside some time for me and set aside some time for God's people and set aside some time, just as importantly, as your family. And then he goes into, and the and the important relationship of a family is, is parents and their children. And the, that commandment teaches children to honor their parents why because that's where you learn to be humans that's how you learn to do right that's how you learn god's word is through your parents and god deals with that and god deals with that relationship and then move boom you move on and god deals with with hate in your heart your relationships with other people adultery your relationships with your spouse and with other people's other people you're you're stealing and you're not giving false testimony about your neighbor. All these are relationships with other people. And so God says, I want you to I want you to understand that I do right by people. And I want you to learn how to do right by people. I want you to understand that it's important that we do right by people. That's a great commandment. That's a great, these are relational commandments. They're, they reveal the heart of God. God's heart is bent toward relationships. And these kind of set the parameters of how to have a good relationship. As you can see. Now, the final one is very important because it it is a relationship-oriented commandment, but the relationship really is with yourself and how you live a life that allows God to, uh, to lead you into his purpose, his will for you, and not to get distracted by the things around you that cause you to not do that. And you go, what are you talking about, Pastor? This is what I'm talking about. You shall not covet. Means that you shall not desire or want other people's God's will being carried out in other people's lives, their actual possessions that they've earned with their own, with their own work, with their own will, with their own pursuit of happiness. When they pursue the will of God and they attain these things and they build these things up, you shall not covet those things. You and you go, how's this got to do with me? Because remember. All these things come from your heart. Jesus plainly, when he was dealing with the two first relational commandments, murder and adultery, he was telling the people that murder comes from hatred in your heart and adultery comes from lust in your heart. And the actions of murder and adultery don't begin with the act. They begin with the, as we would say in the law, the mens rea. You got the actus rea. Whenever you have a crime, you have mens rea and actus rea. Act just is the actual act of doing it. Murdering someone would be uh, pulling the trigger, hitting them over the head with a bat. Whatever methodology you use by, to murder someone, that's the act. But the act always begins, and almost all crimes have to have a mens rea. It has to have an intent of the heart. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Basically explain to people that, you know, you see the actus rea, you see the actions of people that is evil. But the truth is that evil is in the heart of men. And the men's rea, the wanting to murder, the wanting to commit adultery, the wanting to steal, the wanting to be, give false testimony so that you can hurt someone else. All these things come from your heart. And he says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he talks about the desires of the heart being sinful and evil and bent toward wickedness all the time. And those things are important. We got to know it. We got, when you're looking at when you're looking at these commandments, you understand that the sin is born in your heart. And that's why that's why they, when Jesus was asked about all these washing laws, all these cleanliness laws that his disciples weren't following, he said, "Don't you know that the sin's the sin's not outside; it's inside. It comes from inside of you." He's talking about the heart. And uh, and coveting is desiring to have the blessings of God from someone else, rather than you seeking that blessing out from God yourself. You walking by faith yourself, you achieving and attaining yourself. And uh, your unwillingness to walk by faith and your unwillingness to to attain to these things causes you to want something that's not yours. And by the way, that is the initial... That is the initial heart that brought sin into the universe was Satan desiring God's position. Satan wasn't God, but he desired it. He coveted God's position in his heart. And he said, I'm going to rise to the most high. I'm going to go up and be like God is. That's, that, that's sin. It's not what you were made for. And so he says, you, you shall not cover. Now notice, he said, you shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, or his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Notice, you've got, first of all, real property. You don't covet the land that god's given him his house and his land on his house and you go what why did you go immediately to land because land in the bible is an important aspect of blessing the promised land is the place of god's blessing land whenever you see the idea of the understanding of land always think is this talking about the blessings of god and I always do. Whenever I see land, I think the Jewish people are promised the promised land. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you a land that it's been my will to give you for, for hundreds of years. And I'm going to give that to you. And you're going to go and you're going to experience my best in that land. That, that is the promises of God. That's why we call it the promised land. And so the first thing you don't covet is somebody else's promises from God. You don't covet somebody, God's will and acts of grace in their life. You don't covet them. You seek your own. God's got grace for you. God's got mercy for you. God's got a plan for you. Don't covet what other people have. And boy, that's hard to do in the kingdom. I'm going to tell you, that's really hard to do. And I tell you what, it can be very corrosive in your own heart to covet something that's not yours. And oftentimes I have coveted things that were not mine. And come to find out later on, if I'd have had them, it would have destroyed me, or it would have not been God's plan for me, or I wouldn't have enjoyed it like I thought I would. I just wouldn't have. I've coveted people's position, or coveted people's gift, or coveted people's ability. And these covets come in deep inside of you. And sometimes you don't even recognize they're deep in there. And then you realize, oh, well, I just really wanted what he has, or she has, or I want that. And then all of a sudden you realize as you get older and you get more mature and God begins to show you his will for your life, you realize if I had that, me, myself, I wouldn't have liked it once I had it. I, I would have hated it. I would have despised it because it wasn't made for me. It was made for them. It's theirs. It's their blessing. And when you cover your neighbor's house in the physical sense, you covet his property, his real property. But in the spiritual sense, you covered, you covered his blessings. And he said, you shall not do that. I have blessings for you. What God's saying is, I got Christmas presents for you too. Don't covet other people's Christmas. You ever been at Christmas with somebody and they're always looking at other people's friends, going, wow, that's nice. I'd love to have that. And you're sitting there going, you want to turn your back on them. You know what I'm saying? Just turn, don't be looking at my presents. That's that covetous spirit. That's what it is. You can't ever be happy with what you've got. You always got to want something somebody else has got what God's blessings are uniquely for you quit coveting other people's blessings and begin to enjoy the very power and the presence of the blessings God's given you and use them that's probably the biggest problem with coveting somebody else's blessing is you're not using yours and when you're not using yours you're not you're not walking by faith and when you're not walking by faith you're really not pleasing God and you're not pleasing yourself either and you can't covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, The Most intimate relationships of life. So many people covet other people's relationships. They want to be in the in crowd. You've got an in crowd. And boy, this is hard to figure out for a lot of people. This is one of those things that's so difficult for people to get. Oftentimes, you wanted to be in the in group in high school. All of us wanted to be in the in group in high school. And those of us who were in the in group in high school at times realized the in group ain't all that in. But ain't all that great. In fact, the in-group's a bunch of narcissists a lot of times. Who wants to be with a bunch of narcissists? You don't get a whole lot out of that. There's not a whole lot of love in there. There's a whole lot of competition in there to be in the in-group. And so those who are not in the in-group want to be in the in-group, and they're coveting those relationships. And those who are in the green group really don't want that to be the in-group. And for nobody wants anybody, and nobody wants anything. And coveting those intimate relationships, those important relationships of life between other people, it's devastating because what do you do? You don't invest in the relationships God's given you. And I've always said as a pastor that I, I have a unique ministry toward the misfits and the renegades. And I, I, for some reason, have an attraction to those who just haven't found the, they live in the land of misfit toys. They haven't found their place in the kingdom. And I love to figure, help them figure out where their place is because I know that they have the same gifting, the same call, the same anointing as anybody else. They just hadn't figured out how to plug in. And if I can figure out how to get them plugged in somewhere, they're going to grow. They're going to, they're going to explode and they're going to be just as important. And that relationship is going to be just as powerful as any relationship I could have. And so I've always loved the land of misfit toys and finding those misfits and placing them in the right place. Love it. Love it, great ministry. And I uh, used to be—I wanted to be a pastor, the first this uh, and important that, and all this. And God said, "I didn't make you for that. I made you uniquely qualified for the for the relationships with people who just didn't have a place, and uh, for you to help them find that place. And when they find that place, more they're more powerful than a lot of those places you wanted to be." And boy, that was a great learning experience for me. The renegades, also, they're the people that just are, they're just, they can't, they can't subject themselves to things and people that really just aren't that great. They think they're great and they're not. They go out on their own. They like to mount up and go into battle by themselves. And, And I love to pastor those folks too, because if you can ever get them to say, figure out, we need to fight this together and quit mounting up and taking off before we, we assemble the Calvary. If you'll let us go with you, you're going to do a lot better. I found I have a great ministry toward those folks because those renegades, when they figure out this is a team sport, the kingdom of God is a kingdom, and it's not just an individual. When they figure that out and start working with other people and figure out that, boy, their, their efforts are exponentially grown by working together. When they figure that out, Boy, they are powerful folks. I'm going to tell you, a good, solid renegade who figures out how to be a part of the team is something else as far as the kingdom is concerned. And I love those folks. And so my pastorate's always been to the Misfit Toys and the Renegades. And I will say this, I've always been able to take those folks and help them get plugged in. And oftentimes they're way more effective than anybody I could have coveted at some point mainline church somewhere that has all its systems and oftentimes doesn't have the power a lot of times the people who are the most filled with faith are the misfit toys and the renegades when they figure out their place in the kingdom and so coveting somebody else's relationships is not is not a powerful tool for you in fact, oftentimes it's limiting you because you weren't made for those relationships. You were made for something else. Male and female servants, we're going to talk about this in the next few weeks, understanding that that slavery in the Bible is not what we understand as modern-day slavery. It's more having a loan due for somebody and you, you sell them your labor, so that you can pay off a debt and they pay the debt off for you and they use you for their benefit as far as building their assets and you have a you gain from it and they gain from it it's not to the modern idea of slavery where people are enslaved and they don't own their work or their labor a manservant and a maidservant that this is more about you selling your labor in order to gain a place in the society and he says don't covet your your Other people's business relationships, the things that God is doing as far as their business in the world, don't do that. And then personal property, your ox and your donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Ox is always a picture. I find it interesting in this in this commandment that you have ox and donkey. Ox always represents a man's own strength, that man operating in his own strength. And that's why God, one of the main sacrifices in the Old Testament is the sacrifice of oxen, because God wants you to sacrifice you operating in your own strength and wants you to begin to operate in his strength and his spiritual power. And a donkey is, well, as a donkey. And uh, a lot of us like to be donkeys and donkey is just really your own, your own will. you just going to do it your own way. Don't covet other people's doing it their own way and doing it in their own flesh. And you go, I don't covet that. A lot of times you do. A lot of times you really do. You do covet that. You want their, their own stubbornness. You want to be like them and just do it your own way. That's not God's way. And uh, when you run into that, why would I want to be a person who chases after their own will and their own way rather than God's way? And uh, if I'm going to covet something, I want to covet God's will for me. And I want to desire God's plan for me. And I want to walk in faith in those things. And he says basically that there's things that are your neighbors, meaning your neighbor has actual personal possessions. And you know what? You don't need to covet those things. You don't need to desire those things because God's got a great plan for you. And uh, that plan's perfect and pleasing for you. I don't know if you know that or not. He says, I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future, your hope, your future, your prosper and, uh, and to keep you from harm. And uh, those plans are good and pleasing and uh, they're great, but you got to find them yourself. And you can't do that by covering other people's blessing, by covering other people's relationships, by coveting other people's business ventures, by coveting other people's own will and way, the way they do things. You can't covet those things. You got to be your own you. And being your own you is, that's the part of you that God loves. Be you. Allow God to develop all that you are. And in the end, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be more satisfied with you And you're going to enjoy God's peace and God's grace. And there's going to be more confidence in you being you than you being anybody else. And I pray that'll be the case for you. I expect. it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.